welcome everybody to another sh- uh, episode of Small Council Radio, where we talk about anything and everything, A Song of Ice and Fire by Simon. So tonight we are going to be talking about neutrals and when and where to include them in your faction. So tonight isn't really going to be talking about the neutral faction as the faction themselves, but more so talking about how to incorporate them into the other factions. So Stark. Uh, Lannisters, Night's Watch, Free Folk, Baratheons, Targaryens, and we might even dabble a little bit into the Greyjoys. Uh, uh, it's kind of hard to say at the moment since only so much has been revealed about them. But um, so we'll go from there and uh, see where tonight takes us. But I think uh, tonight's going to have a lot of cool combos and things in there that's going to help kind of, uh, you know, maybe help uh, fill the gap in some of your lists, if maybe they're lacking, if you feel that they're lacking, maybe a neutral unit might be the key thing to help it uh, you know, perform a little bit better. Um, so I think we're just going to be going over, kind of we'll, we'll go through each neutral unit one at a time and kind of see where they, uh, you know, what they fit best in or, you know, some of the top contenders as far as like factions and combos. Uh, some are going to ha- probably have more uh, combos than others, but um, so I think we'll kind of jump into that when we get a second. Uh, tonight we have with us Chris from Sunday Slaughter. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Can you guys hear me? Yep. I can hear you loud and clear. Yeah, I'm excited for this show. Uh, we're talking about neutrals, and that's right up my alley, so. Awesome. And then uh, Justin, uh, we have on as well, and he's our uh, neutral player of the of the bunch of uh, small console radio. And we also have Brett. Thank you both for uh, being on tonight. You're welcome. And, <laughs> and Jose said he'd be on a little bit, and we have not heard from Chris. So we'll, uh, Chris uh, Sellers. So we'll see uh, if they are able to make it on. But until then, I'm going to do a quick shout-out. Why don't, uh, Chris, why don't you kind of give a rundown of uh, Sunday Slaughter and uh, what uh, everyone, you know, like where everyone can go to kind of see your content. Sure thing. Um, So... Sunday Slaughter is a YouTube channel that is dedicated exclusively for A Song of Ice and Fire Fire Battle Reports. So uh, the YouTube link is youtube.com slash Sunday Slaughter. I'm a relatively new channel. So we have 11 or 12 episodes. We've been around for about two months now. And uh, it's been fun. I mostly film at local game store we have here in Cleveland, Ohio, and the luxury of uh, being in the Midwest is it's not too far from uh, Indianapolis, so I've gone down to Indianapolis a few times to not only film with Brett, but also we did a couple of battle reports from the last uh, Gen Con 2020 tournament that happened a few weeks ago. So that's where I got to meet uh, some of you guys from uh, Small Council, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a fun ride so far. Awesome. And yeah, uh, it was awesome meeting you at uh, the big event. Um, you know, kind of meeting in person was a nice experience. And, uh, you know, because it's always, you know, one of those things where you're not really 
you know, you see and hear the, you know, everyone over the internet and through groups and whatnot. And it's always nice to kind of put a, a face to a name. Yeah. The the one bummer was uh, I wasn't able to play any of you guys in the tournament, which I was so, sort of hoping for, but um, maybe next time. Well, Chris yeah, it's is always actually being modest. I, I, I got to <laughs> interject for a second. Chris is being a little bit modest. He might be a new channel, but his videos get quite a few views. So if any of you listeners have not checked him out, there is definitely a reason that his videos are pulling close to 1,200 views uh, on most of them. So it's definitely a great channel. He does a really, really nice job. And I think uh, everybody who's checked it out seems to kind of agree with that. Uh, he might be new, but he is definitely a very, very entertaining and uh, fun way to watch other people play A Song of Ice and Fire. So it has quickly become one of my favorites. It's right up there with uh, the other friends of the show, Blitz Minis and uh, Tabletop Warden. I mean, he's he's already put himself in the conversation with those guys as uh, excellent battle reports. So very, very nice work, Chris. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I will add on to that. I did notice that uh, in the two videos that I posted that feature Brett, they seem to to pull the most views. So I don't know what that says about about <laughs> Brett being on camera, but um, yeah, he, just he, like he, seems to, he seems to be pulling more viewers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, uh, Sunday Slaughter is part of the guild. So definitely go check out a Song of Ice and Fire Guild dot com where you can find all of our content as well as all of Sunday Slaughter's content and a ton of exclusive stuff and uh, a bunch more content creators on there as well. So it's an easy place to go find a ton of content all in one place. So you don't have to, you know, keep 12, you know, different tabs open to try to find it all. So definitely check it out. It's very well done and, uh, you know, a very neat tool. Um, but yeah, so on with the show. Uh, so I guess we can kind of start off with, I'd like to kind of leave, uh, we'll go over, I suppose, let's see, uh, we'll do the Bummers first, and then maybe the Storm Crows, and we'll end with like the Boltons, because the Boltons I feel like have kind of the most synergy um, between all the different factions. So with the Mummers right now, uh, I believe we just have the Skirmishers and the Zorse Riders. Um Let's uh, let's start with you, Chris. What's your kind of take on both of those units and where they kind of fit the best at the moment? All right. So first and foremost, they look awesome as models. I mean, I picked some up from the game store that uh, that I frequent just to paint them. Uh, now, getting that out of the way, <laughs> I would say that they are. Um, it's almost full teeth to make them work. And I've tried them in all, in all neutral army. And when they compete with cutthroats, I'm, I'm referring to the skirmishers right now at six points. Um, they, they really don't hold their weight. Now, if you were to pair them, let's say with the Lannister army, uh, and twin, you know, I, I could see that possibly working. Um, it's, it's tough for me to, to provide too much information because my experience with them is limited. I have seen people run the Zorse Riders and Baratheons uh, just to have uh, a, a, um, 
a unit that's able to move across the board just because, you know, with Wardens being at a four, Rosemary's being at a four movement, it's nice to have something like that. Um, but it's it's tough. I think they need a little work. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I think uh, both of the units, like you said, they look amazing. Uh, I've had the pleasure to paint uh, a unit of Source Riders, and um, I've started on a unit of Skirmishers, and they're definitely, you know, very fun to paint. As far as the stats, I think uh, Skirmishers are almost there. I think they're they're really close. Zorse Riders, I think, are probably just going to take a lot more finesse because uh, their ability um, or abilities, I forget if it's two different abilities or if they've lumped into one, um, to shut off uh, orders and tactics cards is just, you know, amazing. And if pulled off correctly, it, it can really uh, make the unit worth their points. But I think it's one of the situations where you really have to, you know, make – Make uh, I wouldn't necessarily say make the stars align, but you really got to work at to make uh, make them, you know, uh, you know, worth their points. Um, but as far as where I would I guess see them, um, skirmishers, yes, I would say with uh, Tywin, Lannisters is a, a nice one just because even Pycel, even if you wanted to run Vargo in Lannisters with Pycel. Uh, Otherwise, I, I can't think of any other faction that can really throw out the weakens a lot, um, with the exception of free folk, but they can't run neutrals. So, I mean, I feel like being able to throw out a ton of weakened tokens would to really make in the skirmishers shine, because already being weakened when they go to attack you for the first time, I think is a good way to keep them, you know, alive. But it, I guess it's, it falls into that trap of, you know, back before uh, Warrior Sons could uh, generate a faith token before entering combat, they, you know, didn't seem to pull their weight because they, they take so much damage before ever getting their first, first faith, uh, faith token. It's almost the same situation with the skirmishers that if the opponent doesn't already have a weekend when they clash into the skirmishers, skirmishers kind of just fall apart by the time they start triggering their effects. Uh, I'm sure you could like time it good in a lot of situations, but uh, with, you know, Tully Cav and Knights of Castle Rock out there, it's, it's just hard to always prevent a, you know, being charged first. Yeah. I think the, the, the term that you use there, that, that, to me is finesse you know like you can you can see a unit and their stats and say that they're they're bad but that's you know that's looking at it in a vacuum if you're if you're running an army that synergizes with with their abilities and you know how how to pilot you know that that army uh you know i i think any of the units in the game can work but um you know as Going back to the skirmishers at being at six points, I, I think there needs to be a change with with the fact that cutthroats exist at five points. So, I think some, uh, I think the simplest change I've heard is just turn their auto wounds into auto hits and make them five points. Um, you know, you're you're dumbing down the ability a bit, but I think wounds can be a bit strong, whereas hits. Uh, 
will play into the, you know, whacking, you know, medium to light armored stuff while justifying uh, the point drop a bit more. So I think that small change uh, would definitely see them in a lot more lists. Uh, it'll make them a lot more affordable um, and compete a lot a lot more with uh, with the cutthroats. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Um, how about you, Justin? How do you feel about the Mummers as is? I, um, I guess sort of as a neutral faction, but um, just even when maybe looking at your Baratheons. Uh, so, I, I don't know about the Baratheon part. Um, I don't. I don't <laughs> think they really fit in the Baratheon army at all. You don't want something that is two movement faster than your battle line because then it's going to overextend itself easy. You don't really need weakened tokens for two reasons. You're already really defensive and you're already dishing out weakened tokens. Um, and so for like skirmishers, I don't know if I would add them, honestly. Um, but as far as like them just by themselves too, yeah, I at six points... Uh, I can tell you, a 5-up armor save with 7 morale the first time you get hit, you're 100% worthless. And uh, <laughs> while it's not a bad ability, because uh, it works really well on cutthroats, but uh, needing to make the charge before your opponent activates does uh, limit like your tactical options sometimes. And sometimes your opponents can bank on that, the fact that they know you want to hit them before they activate. So it can be... I I do like the ability. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Uh, but it can be a hindrance at the same time as being a plus. So I think that's important to note. Um, other than that, I mean, I, I refl- my ideas reflect all your guys' on everything else. What about you, Brett? Do you have uh, anything to add in there? Um, I think the Zorse writers are a little bit better than what people give them credit for. They're they're pretty glass cannony, and I think they can get caught in the trap of trying to compare them to something like Outriders and Ranger Trackers. Um, I've seen Zorse Riders used to pretty nice effect, and in some situations, now they're not necessarily a toolbox that's going to be able to deal with anything, but in some situations, they're pretty oppressive. Um, they're really, really good at taking down uh, guardsmen with the guard captain, um, and they're pretty good at stopping Night's Watch, who are such a reactive army, but um, I just really wish their attack profile was 8-6. Uh, the 7-3 is a pretty steep drop for me, um, particularly the 3 at the last rank. Um, that's kind of where I struggle. I, I like my cab unit to be able to take a hit and then still be able to do something, and if they survive the hit and you, you kill what they're engaged with and you're stuck at 3 attacks, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. Um, even the heavy cav who don't like to be in combat basically hit exactly the same when they're at their last rank with three attacks hitting on threes, no real special abilities. So um, that's kind of a tough spot for me, but I think their ability is really, really neat. And uh, I think they could be effective, but you've got to commit kind of a lot of resources and, and, and make them your, your unit that you're making things happen with and, I just think for a lot of armies, there's better options, but I don't think they're completely horrible. Um, you mentioned Baratheons. They're a cheap way to get a little bit of mobility, so 
I think I could see them being used there. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I stand. The skirmishers, ha, um, I played into them uh, in a Tywin list. I did end up taking a crap ton of wounds with the, the double wounds when you roll ones with Tywin's card, but it's kind of a gimmick, and uh, I kind of echo what you guys already said. It, uh, with defense five and morale seven, it's pretty it's pretty tough. If you get hit first, you're going to be probably in a bad spot. So um, maybe a few tweaks, they'd be okay. Uh, definitely cool models, though. Now, oh, yeah. I mean, the about... models – sorry to interrupt real quick. The models, I'm just going to reflect everything else. They're great. I want to use them so bad. <laughs> Not to mention, you know, one, uh, a different sculpt for every uh, model in that kit. Uh, I believe the only the second kit to do that uh, next to, like, obviously the hero boxes. Um, so, uh, you know, it's the first kit that's a non-hero box, I believe, that has all unique sculpts. So that's really uh, cool. Um, what I was going to say, how about... Um, I mean, it may seem like a very pricey, uh, you know, thing to do, but who knows, you know, this is just kind of a an idea I had. What if you're running like a Tyrion control list and to give them that extra punch, you put uh, Gregor, uh, mounted Gregor in the unit for that extra D3 in panic when you charge from the flank or something. And now when you're in their side, uh, you know, you're stopping the orders and taxes cards for that kind of, uh, like, control element. Granted, you're looking at now a 10-point unit, so, I mean, that's a heavy investment. But, I don't know, I think uh, if done properly, especially with Tyrion's cards to kind of delay things and forego actions and whatnot, uh, I think they it might help set up their ability to... Um, you know, pull off that play that's that they need while doing enough damage from the flank uh, if they're at full ranks to really make an impact. You would be legendary if you did it. <laughs> Do it. You know what? I'm, I think I'm going to have to try it. Or, you know, maybe con my wife into doing it. <laughs> well, between the two of us, we got some Zorse Riders. <laughs> I think between the two of us, we have four. There four? Units. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you won't. What, four source riders? <laughs> yep, use all we'll four. See. Come on. It'll go great. I could run four of them and then three four-point NCs. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> You'll be really fast. <laughs> then again, if I did that, it'd have to be neutrals. Do neutrals even have three four-point NCs? They, oh, do. they do. Now, they do now that Varus is no longer five points. Correct. It'll be a rough time, though, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think at the moment, Zorse Riders, they don't necessarily have a very clear spot form. But I think, uh, you know, anyone listening out there, definitely try to experiment with them. I think they there's something out there that can make them work. And it might be very, like, a niche type of uh, situation where they're going to be really good, but I'm sure it's out there. You just, it's one of those things that uh, when a unit doesn't really present its like strengths or its place to you, then it's, it just one of those things that haven't been found yet. 
Um, and as far as the skirmishers, I think uh, really just uh, Tywin. Um, I guess technically you could do like almost any faction uh, where you throw Vargo in there because um, I think they're just barely outside of their value at the moment. But I think with the right combinations, you can kind of uh, bring them to that value. Um, especially with certain, uh, possibly like certain attachment combos. Uh, moving on though, on to, uh, we'll go with the storm crows. And, uh, since we do have the rules for them, we will, uh, we'll incorporate the dervishes in there. I'm sure they'll be out soon anyways. Uh, so with the storm crows, we're looking at storm crow archers, storm crow mercenaries, and the storm crow dervishes. Um, all of which, uh, do have motivated by coin. So if they're targeted by the uh, wealth zone, they get a free attack. Um, as we, uh, Justin, mostly, but uh, that we've mentioned in other shows, you know, it's an amazing ability, but when you mass produce it between having a bunch of them, it lessens the importance of it because you can only ever do it once unless you're Night's Watch and you, you know, a unit dies and you pull the uh, someone off the board replace them or something um, so uh, it's definitely uh, I mean if targeted by so Peter wouldn't work right I think they FAQ'd that Correct. a long time ago yeah. that Peter is even though if he's using the spot he's he's not replacing on... the spot so yeah. you always have to replace if... the spot um, and so he only gets the ability of the spot, but you have to be in the physical location of the spot to replace it. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, but I think uh, these, since we're not really talking about an army, like a, the faction, the neutral faction, uh, we're talking about where to incorporate these type of units with others. I think uh, Stormcrows are amazing as a one-off in any uh, non-free folk faction. Uh, especially uh, currently my favorite combo right now uh, until they probably FAQ it somehow is Stormcrow Dervishes with Blackfish and just set for charge. Um, attack them. Uh, use Swift Strike to retreat and completely negate your opponent's attack. And then, you know, just charge right back in since that was a reaction and not your actual activation. And depending on how well you hit them and what kind of armor their you know defensiveness they have, you could be looking at just killing the unit outright. Especially if it was, let's say they charged you with even like a raider unit or something, something weak. You know, you could be looking at a dead unit. So I, I like them kind of there. Uh, I think first day you do that to um, me, Dave. I'm flipping the table. <laughs> I did it to my wife and she wasn't too happy and then she proceeded by whooping my butt and the only I was unit say, that survived sleep on the couch was Blackfish <laughs> no Blackfish was the only thing that survived she's like you know screw everything else You're, <laughs> everything's dead man I would be so annoyed <laughs> and it's fair but I wouldn't. It, that's all it is yep so I think uh, just any faction, adding the ability to turn the uh, wealth into something other than healing, because healing's good, don't get me wrong, but sometimes you just you really don't need to heal. So just the ability to kind of turn it into something else for any faction, especially if um, 
let's say you don't want the wealth. Let's say your faction doesn't want the wealth. Like Starks don't really care for it. But you're facing Night's Watch. You're facing uh, Lannisters or neutrals, and you're like, I don't want them having this wealth spot. Uh, you know what? Now I can take it and get a free attack with it. And you know you can do that with any of the Stormcrow units. So. I think uh, Storm Pros definitely have a high value and, you know, at least running a one-of of something in your faction. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Anything out of those units that kind of pops out at you? Well, I'll say that competitively, um, I've played in a few tournaments on TTS, and the only time I really see a Storm Pro unit, and this is this this is excluding the because people are still trying to tinker with them. The only time I really see um, Stormcrow units are Starks, and they they take the uh, the mercenaries and they they slap in uh, Osha and Rickon. Um, I personally like them uh, for casual matches, just because I'm a huge fan of experimenting with attachments and being able to get that discount on your attachments and your armies is is really cool. Um, unfortunately, right now, the state of the game is if people want to play competitively, they're going to value the points going to NCUs rather than taking, you know, cool attachments. But, you know, I see I see an opportunity for, for people to run uh, Stormcrows just, just to experiment a little bit. I also think that... Um, it's worth buying at least two boxes of the mercenaries just for the Stormcrow lieutenants because those attach that attachment is is amazing. I think Justin can back me up here because I believe he runs a couple of them in his uh, in his uh, Bolton armies. Um, yeah, I run them a lot, uh, which yeah. makes it easy for my opponent to take the money. But sometimes that still helps me. Um, so yeah, they're amazing for like three reasons. Yeah, so I mean, if, if if people are 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 debating whether or not to buy a box or two of of the mercenaries, I think they're they're worth it just for just for that attachment. Um, I also like to run Braun in in a lot of my armies, so you know his his synergy with with taking the bags and getting that attack uh, with motivated by coin is uh is is a great option. Um, and then you mentioned dervishers with with blackfish. I'm <laughs> spoiler alert, in in the super league that that three sales is running. I'm I'm running Starks, and that's one of my that's one of my commanders is blackfish, and he's obviously in dervishers. So, I've been <laughs> I've been experimenting with with that combo. I think that um, blackfish and dervishers can really shine in certain game modes. I tried them out in Here We Stand, and I think his ability to get an attack off and then potentially uh, you know, retreat into uh, an enemy sector is is pretty pretty powerful. So um, that goes along with saying some of these units that we're going to be talking about today, and and this should this should be the same for any unit that you're looking at. You know, try to try to figure out what game mode they would they would really shine in. Uh, I think the dervishers are, are going to be one of those units that people will probably sleep on and not realize that they they can do a lot of work depending on what scenario you're in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, the dervishes, 
you know, they, I know some people said they, they just seem pretty good. And I think, uh, I think what is preventing people from really thinking they're, uh, you know, seeing their full potential is the fact that they don't have, uh, like some other ability attached to their dice, you know, cause they, they're swinging at eight, seven, four, um, on three ups, which is a pretty decent stat, uh, especially only dropping one die going to two ranks, especially, you know, with Blackfish upping their morale to a four and, you know, healing every time they pass it, you know, will really keep them in that seven to eight dice range. But not having Sundering, Critical Blow, Precision, any of that stuff, I think makes them seem a little weaker than they, um, you know, than they really are especially when you're considering what faction, you know, you, you're going to be putting them in. Uh, you put them in Night's Watch, you know, you, you could be looking at Sword in the Darkness for just weight of ice. Uh, Starks, you know, throw Northern Ferocity on them, give them that Sundering, uh, make them vulnerable if you have the combat zone. There's definitely a lot of ways with Tactus cards to add that extra layer of damage to really push through, you know, some nasty strikes. Uh, especially if you have, you know, that combo that's set for charge, you know, set for charge, play Northern Ferocity, get that Sundering, uh, free retreat, um, or even don't, don't uh, free retreat if you want to take that hit knowing that it's not going to do much. Follow up with a uh, take the money bag, swing at them, then use your swift strike, uh, you know, and then charge into them. I mean, there's so many different combos, especially with the Blackfish was set for charge. It gives you a lot of uh, potential there. Um, but these guys, I think, uh, with you know, with a lot of different uh, commanders and a lot of different attachments, they're, you know, they have all the tools to really shine with pretty much any faction. Uh, we have Jose with us. Thank you for coming on, Jose. How's it going? Going good. Yeah, sorry, I was running well late today. No, we you're good. You. Um, so with that, uh, let's see. So then we got like the Stormcrow mercenaries, uh, and you were mentioning Chris, the lieutenant. I mean, I'm in the same boat that the lieutenant's amazing. I actually, I own three units of Stormcrow mercenaries, and then I bought a fourth box just for a fourth lieutenant. And then I sold the box without the lieutenant for, like, I think it was $25. So, I mean, essentially I bought a, a fourth lieutenant for 10 bucks, But uh, I do man. have, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do have a Baratheon list, which is, um, I don't know if now with the new hero boxes, if it's like for sure one of my starting lists, if I were to run like in a major event with it, but it's definitely very high up there. And that's just simply, uh, I think it's five wardens, uh, Renly, uh, Charismatic Air in one of them. And then the other four all have Stormcrow lieutenants. And then I run Peter, uh, uh, Alistair, and Shira. I think uh, it might be... Um, or it might be Elden now instead of Shira because Elden's just amazing. Anyways, but between Peter and Alistair, unless they have uh, Varys or um, Olena or something like that, uh, you're guaranteed the money 
five rounds out of the six because you, you know, you take the money with Peter to trigger something else. And then on the rounds where you don't have first turn, you Alistair to swap spots so you can make sure that your, um, your four wardens with lieutenants in them are now attacking, you know, with eight dice with sundering. Granted, they're still hitting on fours, but it definitely, for a very, in my opinion, a very defensive unit for five points, now they have a lot of bite uh, with that uh, extra dice and the sundering in there. I like that. Spam with sundering, that's that's actually pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, and all the healing, yeah, it, it's definitely uh, performed fairly well, so I I'm I'm usually a Stannis all the way, but uh, I like trying like at least for tournaments I like trying to run one list that's Stannis and one list that's uh, Renly. But yes, Stormcrow lieutenants are definitely for me. As you know, if you're not playing uh, a faction that wants the money, I feel like you have to spam the lieutenants in order to give yourself the justification to want to take it. Uh, but if you're already a faction that wants the money, it's a lot easier to justify taking it. You know, if you're Night's Watch or uh, um, Lannisters or whatnot, you know, you can take like that one attachment, you know, one lieutenant or brawn, and not have to worry about it because you're already kind of wanting it. Um, but like Starks, I, you know, if if it's there, I'll take it to heal. But a lot of times, if I take it, I'm taking it to block. Uh, not only the spot, but even sometimes just blocking he- my opponent healing uh, a unit that I've like damaged down to like one rank, and I don't want them, you know, trying to get a comeback. So I'll block it. And granted, I get the heal from it, but that's usually never like the priority of me taking the spot. What do you think, Brett? Uh, I think the Stormcrows are really good. Um, I'm definitely interested in seeing the Dervishes when they come out. Um, I think a lot of people have been playing with them a little bit on Tabletop Simulator. They seem like a unit that really fills a lot of roles. Um, the thing I see most with the uh, with the Mercenaries is uh, just bringing that cheap attachment. Um, I see a lot of uh, Preston Greenfield in Stormcrows, and I see a lot of Rickon in Stormcrows. Uh, it's a pretty cool little build. Um, it's interesting. The unit still has severe downsides. I'm not overly afraid of them when I play against them, but I think they can be a little bit tougher than what you think. Uh, the Stormcrow Archers, for me, are another one of those units that I think I think people might be overlooking them a little bit. I think they're I think they're better than than what people think. Um, hitting on fours with a ranged attack isn't the greatest, but um, I've seen Chris from Mythicos, and I played against a couple of guys in the uh, Energy TTS event that used them really, really well. And uh, I've seen them more than double their points in, in units that they killed. Um, but I think that's, that can be true, you know, of any ranged unit. Um, I think people tend to overlook ranged units in this game, and, uh, and then kind of when you run into them, they end up doing a lot of damage. They're a really nice area denial, and they're basically the unit that you absolutely have to go for. So I think the same thing can be true for the Stormcrows. Uh, the Lieutenant is obviously a fantastic uh, attachment. He fits really, really well into a lot of builds. Uh, I think I heard you mention Lannisters and already wanting the wealth zone. 
uh, Lannister, uh, the Clegane Mountainsmen with uh, Stormcrow Merson, or the Stormcrow Lieutenant is a really, really brutal combo. I've also seen him added to Cutthroats in like a Baratheon list to give that Stannis side uh, kind of a cheap access to Vicious and some Sundering. I've even seen them plugged into Wardens just to give Wardens a little bit more punch because they're already so defensive. But I think the outside of units that already have Sundering, you can imagine that unit is, or that attachment's good in just about anything. So Sundering is a really good way to punch that damage through. And uh, obviously plus one attack dice is always nice. So I'm, I'm pretty sold on the mercenaries. They're, they're really versatile. They, they fit relatively well in just about any list and, and they can be that attachment caddy for for um, lists that really want to bring that attachment, but they don't have the points. Uh, actually, thinking about it, it'd be a good place for the uh, Offal Yarwick uh, spotter attachment if you want, wanted to run some war machines. You can essentially get him at five points or six points if you go the route of putting him in archers. I've also seen yep. archers do a ton of work in Baratheons. A uh, local guy named Matt who um, he he tries out different builds with, with Baratheon lists, but uh, one of his favorite combos is putting Solis and Shireen in them just, just to ensure that, you know, whoever he's hitting is going to be taking a panic test. Um, you know, if, if they leave the bag open, that's another attack. So we all know how panic tests work in the game, and especially if you're playing a game mode like A Feast for Crows, you know, they can be they can be dangerous. It's just the fact that they can offer that zone control um, – in an army like Athens who really don't have an option for, for a ranged unit, I think people should look into this as well. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how Chris was running them. And uh, I saw him do some serious work with uh, Celine and Shirese and, uh, and the mercenaries. And it's, it's just what you said, you know, you can put them on the money bag, take the free attack, do your D3 wounds, and then you can uh, activate and do D3 more wounds. And it's the, it's the automatic panic test in that little combination that makes it nice. And then all of a sudden you've got a, a no-go zone for dogs because they're effectively dead with one shot. And uh, I've, I, I, I want to say Chris was using them against Night's Watch, and he ended up just removing a crap ton of models with those Stormcrow archers. <laughs> I, was, I was watching the stream, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. And then, you know, like I said, my – my experience when I was playing Starks in that event, the Baratheon player was just really clever with how he positioned them and how he played them. And he ended up killing a unit of Outriders and a unit of Berserkers um, almost entirely with those Stormcrows. So it was it was definitely uh, humbling. Yeah, I think uh, another a great uh, spot for him is Starks and and I'm not necessarily talking about, I know a lot of people have already seen, you know, the wolf, uh, you know, taking them to, you know, take Rick in or, you know, just some other way to get some wolves for cheaper points. I'm more so thinking, you know, cause that four up the hit is not all that, uh, you know, it, it, it does something, but you know, with a lot of range units, they're always hitting on threes. So that four up is kind of brutal in that sense. But, you know, if, if your opponent's not going to run any ranged, uh, especially if they're a list which has no ranged and no um, no cav uh, or anything like that, that's going to be able to get to you very easily. If you can get up there and position them just right to cover a couple um, objectives, 
and then you stick a, uh, for starch, you stick a Kranichman Warden in there. If you go first, second round, you take the money and shoot at someone that's potentially trying to take uh, a cover a, an objective. You then take the combat zone because now nothing should be engaged at that point uh, just yet if it's the, pretty much the start of round two. And then now you're going to shoot again. Um, and especially, you know, you could force a certain unit to have to activate. And if you've positioned them just right to where multiple units are in your range, you could shoot one unit that hasn't activated to get those four up with rerolls. And then after they activate to prevent that, you then go, okay, I'm going to free attack over at this unit and get my rerolls over here. And I think the, with the potential for how many attacks you could get with these guys around I think would make uh, uh, throwing a Kranigman Warden in there just amazing um, for the you know because uh, they're going to give you that one point discount you know essentially making it a free attachment so it's not going to be any cost to you to throw them in there I think it'll add a lot of uh, damage output for the unit I think in general, I don't, maybe it's just me, but the matches that I play, a lot of people just sleep on uh, range units. I, I don't see, it's it's often where I see an army across the table where, where they're not running a range unit. And when I, when I'm there, I always have one. So if, if that's the situation I'm in, I'm always like rubbing my hands together. Like, yes, like <laughs> I can actually do some work because, you know, I don't know what it is. Maybe people don't think the models are as cool or maybe, they feel like um, they're too squishy, but uh, I'm someone who likes to, to run more elite units. You know, my, my Night's Watch armies usually have four field activations, and one of which is a ranged unit. So, um, you know, I, they, they can be tricky to use, but, you know, if you want to start experimenting, I think uh, I think the Stormcrow Archers are a good place to start. Yeah, I think the versatility of just being able to add, you know, any one point attachment for free to kind of get that, ex, you know, experiment with the different abilities that's going to be given to them uh, as long as well as uh, any unique attachments, you know, getting that discount on any that are two or three points. Um, as far as like uh storm mercenaries, I believe in the Targaryen uh, show that we had, I was teasing about, you know, running the unsullied off, officer for a one point discount in them but i think that uh now with the new uh 1.6 release uh i think that uh combo might be a lot more viable now knowing that you're going to get an unsullied pseudo uh activation uh, an unsullied officer for a pseudo activation for two points in a mercenary unit granted you know you're still spending some points on that unit um you know it's going to add two activations to, you know, an army that, uh, granted, you know, the unit's going to have to be engaged, but, uh, you know, to a faction that's kind of lacking in the activation area at the moment. So I think uh, it's definitely, may not be the best fit, um, but I think it's definitely something to kind of experiment with to see where it goes. What about uh, you, Jose? I know uh, you're, you know, 
you're mostly like a, a pure, you know, faction player. You like to kind of keep, uh, you know, everything, you know, within the faction with the exception of maybe some NCUs here and there. But how do you feel, I guess, from like a standpoint of when you face um, certain Stormcrow or even we'll go back to the Mummers, uh, how do you feel when you're facing like them in a non-neutral faction? Um, in a non-all neutral list, I typically don't find them super scary, I guess, to go up against. Um, I mean, unless, unless it's something like, you know, a lot of times like Lannisters will pull some Boltons or something just because it works off their panic stuff. Like, if it flows with their general strategy, it's a little more intimidating, but I, I feel like a lot of times, like, they don't like as well as they you think they would. Um, I mean, or I guess maybe people I verse haven't used them correct, as you know correctly or whatever. But um, the one thing I will say though is you guys are talking about archers and how people don't take them, and I agree with that. And I think that when people do take them, you have to really. I mean, at least for me, I find myself really like being like, okay, how am I going to handle that? Because, I, I mean, usually most people don't take them, so I don't have to worry about it. But then when they do, it's like, it's sort of like a, almost like a wrenching thing. And I have to really think about it. Um, like, because I know they're going to be a pain if I don't handle them. So they become like a big priority for me because it's almost like I need to take them off, like level the playing field. So <laughs> I think, uh, I think <laughs> I agree with you guys that I think people should take archers more often. Because um, I, I think, I think just like people normally don't take them, it just it it will throw your opponent off. At least for me, that's what it does. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but that's how I feel. I feel like they, whenever I see archers of any kind, they become a huge target, especially when I play Baratheons. Because I'm like, man, I have nothing that could really get to them um, super quickly. So it's just like I have to I have to figure out how I'm gonna take them off. Yeah, especially with Baratheons, you know. Uh... They're really, even with Davos uh, and their current tools, like what they have to work with, they still are not necessarily fast enough to get to a lot of these range units if they're well protected, uh, especially right. if they kind of clash in the middle and then like you're in like an attrition battle. Uh, you know, it could be like at the end of the game before you finally get to them. Um, and that's one of the things like you really have to practice with range units um, you know, that's why I think someone asked on the main page, uh, they're asking how to run like a demo game. And I was, I gave like a big outline of, you know, like do's and don'ts. And one of the things I mentioned is don't get, don't put range units in a, uh, in a, uh, a beginner game or in a, uh, you know, if you're trying to test out the game with people for the first time. And the only reason being is they're, they're, for someone who is new to the game, they're very hard to play. You know, having that only 12-inch uh, threat range or 14-inch if you count the shift, uh, a lot of times, you know, they'll just get eaten up if not protected well enough, and it could, like, kind of sour an experience with them. Uh, I know a friend of mine, uh, that's what I did. You know, I, I just kind of let them build their own list, and they, you know, they ran some Lannister crossbowmen and they just got eaten up before ever doing anything because they didn't really kind of, you know, they're used to like a background of, you know, Warhammer where range was a lot more than it, you know, it's, you could shoot across the board. 
and you know it's just one of the things that you really have to practice with them if you're not used to them, um, both using them and facing them. Um, and if done right, range units can really put a beating on someone. So definitely, you know, don't sleep on the Stormcrow archers. I think they definitely, uh, with the right combinations, can do a lot of work. Um, we'll move on to uh, the Boltons. Now, I, I believe the Boltons are the strongest by far of the three um, neutral sub-factions, we'll call them. And I think they synergize the best overall with most um, of the factions. Not necessarily all of them, but I think most. Uh, definitely the Lannisters, just the panic and uh, element to them just fits with the Lannisters as well, which I think was probably uh, on purpose, you know, with with how they are in the books and shows and whatnot. Uh, but so... As it is, uh, we'll, we'll jump into Blackguard. So I'll say that Blackguard, I bought three boxes of them because I thought they were just going to be just really amazing. And unfortunately, most of the time, they're kind of below average for me. Um, so I find myself usually now only running one unit of them, and that's in combination with Tywin. Uh, I'll, pretty much most of my Tywin list is him in Blackguard, so I think that synergizes really well, giving the Blackguard Lannister supremacy. Um, but otherwise, um, I mean, throwing him in Night's Watch isn't a horrible idea uh, for that nice six-point uh, bunker, rather than having to spend uh, you know seven or eight uh, for the more expensive unit. What do you think, uh, Justin? Have you had any luck with them? With who? Sorry, I was replying to something. I heard everything else, and uh, then I kind of forgot who it was. Blackguard. Oh, Blackguard. Okay, so this is a, uh, I don't know, sensitive topic to me, I guess? Uh, I love Blackguard, <laughs> and it's a bummer that I have not... Okay, maybe once I use them successfully, but it was a complete fluke. Um, I've tried to use them a lot because I have, I have three or four. I don't know. You know better than me. I have like three or four. I don't know. Three. Either way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Either way, like I, I really, I in most war games, I really do like defensive armies or in lack of defense, Healy armies, which is a different aspect of defense. Uh, this is the, the only game I play a glass cannon army, so I want Blackguard to be good because I want them to work. Um, I know this isn't like a neutral show, but they just don't work in like a Bolton playstyle because a Bolton playstyle is fast and hard. Like they they just go wreck things before they get wrecked. Blackguard aren't very fast, nor do they hit very hard. Um, and I don't really see them. The only thing that they like even remotely work with is Cersei, and that's because uh, of horrific visage. But it's still at a minus two. Uh, and with the meta right now, it, it doesn't play out well because people really chase that high morale kind of thing. Uh, if you have a unit that has five morale, they got to make a seven. They got a 50-50 chance. That's like your best case scenario because no one else is going to attack them. Um, and then with with their three of defense, which is amazing, sure. Uh, but with six morale, they're not 
they're they're really hard to kill, sure, but they're not going to be impossible to kill or even remotely close to impossible. And they don't they don't kill anything. They just they don't do damage. They don't get to where they're going. Good luck getting them on an objective. The only time they worked out well for me was uh, I rolled a six for a charge against Blademan with them, and they did like seven wounds. <laughs> I have no idea what happened. It was pretty fantastic. I was like, whoa! But it was Clash of Kings, so I got killed. <laughs> um, so I think uh, yeah. I think that's uh, a good point about them not really, you know, they're being, you know, they're really defensive, and I think they just they mesh much better with new or with Lannisters than they do currently with the neutrals, just because Lannisters have a bit more of the key elements to make them work, and then also your point about them being slow, I think, uh, is another big key thing because them being so slow allows your opponent to match the unit they need against your unit that is going to be able to get get by their strengths. So you're going to throw, let's say, like, for me, if I'm facing you, I'm throwing my unit of berserkers at you because I know your uh, visage isn't really going to pop off, and then my sundering is going to help me get through your armor. So I think that's kind of where they actually, in for this show... They actually, you know, the show's topic, they actually work better in another faction than they actually do with the neutral um, faction. I would agree that they work best in Lannisters, um, especially over neutrals. But uh, Lannisters also, um, with with the Blackguard being slow, Lannisters have a staple unit that's slow, so they, they work with that. I, I feel like a way I try to build my list is having... And I think I do this in like most war games. Uh, try to keep my speed relatively the same within an army, because one thing people tend to do uh, when you know things are going well or whatever is they overextend one unit. And if you send one unit out of, off on its own, uh, that's that's really not wise because it can be picked apart uh, without any support. You want to keep things near each other to help each other out should they need to be. Um, and if I keep all my movements kind of in the same ballpark. Um, which right now is like five, then I tend to not fall into that, that I don't know, like arrogance trap, I guess. Because you're like, oh, I'm going to kill this guy because I'm super fast, and then you go up and <laughs> it doesn't work, and then you die, and it's really depressing, and nobody likes that. What, uh, what do you think, Chris, uh, about the Blackguard? Any uh, combos in particular that stick out to you? Um... No real combos other than the only one I've really played with, which is uh, putting Ramsey the Sadist in there for the cut them down. Um, when I really step back and look at the design of it, and I don't want to speak for Michael Chanel or, or Fabio when when I say this is, you know, I think when they came out, obviously they were trying to offer something for all factions as as sort of like a bunker unit to place a commander, you know, and now that the game has grown and each faction is getting, you know, more and more units, the the value of the Blackguard has sort of come down a bit. Uh, you know, I tried to experiment Blackguard and Targaryens and, you know, confirm my suspicions that they don't work well in Targaryens because it totally goes against, you know, what Targaryens are trying to do. Uh, I tr- also, you know, thought about 
them and Baratheons, and again, it's sort of redundant doing something like Blackguard when Baratheons are already, you know, defensive. Uh, and then sort of thinking about Starks, you know, when you have a unit like um, Starks swords that are a point cheaper and, you know, although they're saving on a four up, I think they're just far superior and can handle a commander rather than Blackguard. That being said, I love the, I love the unit uh, in an all Bolton list. I usually run at least one. Um, but when we're talking about placing them in, in other factions, you know, you guys are right. I, I can, I can see an argument for Lannister, but uh, they're just in a tricky spot right now. You know, now that we talk about it, I remember uh, one other time I was actually successful with them was uh, in a mountain list, uh, mountain commander, and I ran uh, Sandor in there with his cut it down uh, for two points, and then combined with Cersei, uh, I would cons- I would throw them up into a position with an objective that uh, you know my opponent couldn't ignore. And then I would just continuously Cersei the unit that had to go after them. And between, you know, them attacking, uh, attacking them and then the cut them down. And whenever they got attacked, it just, it, it kind of piled up. So that was definitely one situation where I was able to make them work uh, fairly well. I tried to use, uh, but with cut him down, I tried to use Ramsey once in him, and yeah, that's a three-point unit or a nine-point unit because of the three-point attachment. I literally did no damage the entire game. I was so depressed. <laughs> they just died. <laughs> well, you know, to to piggyback off of what you were saying, Dave, I think it's you know you you have to play with a unit like that, you know, intelligently. Uh, when you place them in a position where your enemy can't ignore them. You know, I think that's where they really shine. Whereas, you know, if they're just, if you're playing a game mode and they're just out there willy nilly moving on a four, and if you have, you know, Ramsey in them for nine points, a smart player is just going to avoid them, you know, pretty much dance around them if they need to. Uh, yeah, so I, I I do like the unit. It's just, uh, they're, they're another one of those tricky units that you just got to play smart, I guess. Yep. Um, Next up, I was, was going to say really, oh, oh really yeah, quick, I was going to say about the, the black guard. No, you're good. I was going to say that um, hearing you guys talk, I know Dave, you asked me earlier, like, what do I think when I face um, when I face uh, neutrals in general? And I said that I think people don't play them right or whatever, and I'm not too afraid of them. And hearing you guys talk, and I was just thinking about my own experiences with with black guard and just in general other units. I think people use neutrals to supplement what their army doesn't have. So, like, for example, I've seen um, the Blackguard being used in, like, you know, a Targaryen list because they want a foot unit that has some sturdiness to it or something. And I think, I think that's why I, they're, like, when people do, that's how, that's why I think when people don't use them right. Is like, I think that you need to use them if they play into your overall strategy. But I don't know if, like, a supplement is always the answer. Granted, obviously it can be, right, and it can work out, but I think generally speaking, I think it's best if it plays into what your strategy is. So I'm thinking of every time I've seen, like, Blackguard, and, like, it's usually, like like you guys have said, like, you know, putting a commander in there and they want some more durability in their army or something, and it just never, like, works out from what I've, from what I've experienced um, when, I'm playing, when I'm playing against them. 
So I just wanted to like toss that in there really quick. I just let me think of it as you guys are talking. I I also want yeah. to point out really quick that that you're all a bunch of turds and uh, it's blackguard. It's not blackguard. That was uh, that was proven by Chase. Give it a Google. I'm serious. Give it a Google. It I'm is blackguard. So weird, but. <laughs> The first That's time the I worst thing I've ever like heard. That, you 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 pronounced it that way. I think in the battle report, the, the first the first one that we did together, and you actually said blackguard first, and then you went ahead and corrected yourself, and you said blackguard, and I was like, man, is that really how you pronounce it? <laughs> I swear that is how it's pronounced. Give it a Google. All one word is pronounced blackguard. I don't know if it's right, but I like it. I'm I'm calling him blackguard because letters. <laughs> English. <laughs> well, I hesitate because to say English because our language Brett is not great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because Brett's wrong, I don't care. That's literally the only reason to prove Brett wrong. Yeah, this is why Brett the was wrong about this. <laughs> because English is dumb. <laughs> so learn a new you language, Brett. The- Brett was wrong about Harma, so he's wrong about everything. <laughs> From here on, I was definitely wrong about Harma. I owned that. I just, I just took my lumps <laughs> on that one. <laughs> so, um, so moving on to the uh, the other Boltons. Uh, so, Flademen, Flademen with their change. I know it's been a topic we've kind of hammered into the ground. Uh, though I do still feel like even with their the way they are right now, uh, at least until the champions of the stag come out, I think Brat- they still have somewhat of a place in Baratheons. Um, they may be heavy cav, you know, with a five-inch move, but um, I still feel like it does add a ton of uh, speed uh, if that's what you're looking for, especially if maybe you run like a Davos commander list to add that extra speed to like the infantry units. And then you have uh, the flightmen in there to kind of keep, you know, keep like a, a cavalry unit. So uh, for me right now, I would say Baratheons is kind of the only place I'm really seeing them just because other factions just kind of have better options at the moment. You know, you got Tully Cav for the same points uh, for Starks and you got Knights of Castle Rock for a point cheaper for Lannisters. So, um yeah, I would say that, uh, I mean, possibly Night's Watch. Night's Watch, um, but then again, because you can't attach the vows to them, that kind of puts a hamper on that. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Um, I think that they are pretty young Targaryens. I play with a fellow named Derek who uh, is in love with the Targaryen faction, and he's also in love with running Blademan and all his armies. Uh, he's had some pretty good success with him. I mean, every time I, I watch him play, he's usually, you know, smashing the player that he's playing against. Um, they were the first unit that I painted, just because I think they are one of the coolest looking units in the game. And I also think that if you're ever in a tournament where you're playing against a, an inexperienced player, just the fact that they look terrifying uh, can probably scare your opponent into <laughs> into making some misplays. So uh, I I love them. I 
I think that the the three their three defense is uh, a good thing to have if you're playing Targaryens. If you end up stuck in battle, if you don't draw cards like hit and run or swift creep, um, they they have a little bit of staying power that's that uh, the Targaryens sort of lack with with their um, with their squishy units. Yeah, they definitely add that heavy uh, cav, uh, you know, in there the to give you that speed, but still that that staying power. Um, so yeah, I definitely could see them in Targaryens. I think as uh, a night, especially if you don't have that extra point for the vets, like granted, you know, the vets are more of like a glass cannon than they are, you know, what the flayed men offer. But you know, especially if you don't have that extra point um, to add a vet unit, you know, the Flayedman would be a nice option in there, especially when combined with a lot of the Targaryen uh, cards to just, you know, give the Flayedman that much more of a punch. Um, I think Flayedman with uh, the mountain, uh, mounted uh, behemoth, is that, or the mountain that rides, I forget which one is which, the attachment uh, version, uh, I think that is still a pretty nasty combo if you wanted to run the flayed men in there. Uh, granted, you know you, you might still want to run that with the uh, run the mountain with uh, Knights of Castle Rock, but still still a decent option. Um, what about you, Justin? I know uh, you know you're still kind of heartbroken over them. Uh, well. Outside of the neutral faction, they might have some okay places. I think you mentioned Baratheons, right? I think that's really the only, like, I guess, experience I have. But I think they work okay there. Mount of Behemoth, you're totally right there because, I mean, it just makes them... It makes up for the shortcomings that they lost, I think. Um, I know it's in the neutral faction, but as much as I complain about them, I think they also still have a place with Ramsey specifically. Because if you can charge them in and use our blazer sharp, it's going to be a bad day. It used to be badder, but it's, it's now now it's just bad. It's not baddest, it's just bad. Um, Targaryens? I don't know if they really fit well, because Targaryens have hard-hitting Cav already that are only a point more. But maybe. Maybe they have the armor, which is nice. But really, are they more defensive than Vets? Because they have a point more of armor, but they have a point less of morale. So they're... I think armor is a little better, but it's only barely more defensive while hitting not as strong. Um, and then Starks don't need them. No Stark player should ever <laughs> take them over what they have. <laughs> but they look cool. They're important. Unless maybe you're running like Ramsey Commander, it might be the exception in Starks. Yeah, yeah. So I guess if you're using him as a neutral commander, sure, I'd agree with that. What about you, Jose? How do you feel about uh, uh when you're have you faced them uh, ever outside of the neutral faction uh, in regards to like their most current form? Yeah, I mean, I faced them a lot before they made the change. Since they made the change, um, I've played them in the Targaryen army, never in a Baratheon army, but I could see how that would be good in a Baratheon army. And I think, 
I think that's it since it's been changed. I think I've only played them in Targaryen. Like, everybody just dropped them when they made the change. Everybody's, like, really upset. Everybody kind of just dropped them. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as being in the Targaryen army, I mean, I guess, you know, you can make it work. But I think I kind of agree with Justin that I don't think you need them. Like, I don't think they're needed. I think I think if you're going to do something like that, I think you're better off just trying to get the extra points and play the vets. I think the vets are better. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, I, I, in my opinion, I think vets are scarier than um, playmen overall. I think, um, but that's yeah. I mean, I think I think for the most part, I think you guys kind of covered how I feel about them as well. So. All right, and then uh, lastly, we'll move on to uh, cutthroats and bastard girls. In my opinion, um, these two are probably the strongest. Uh, like point for point units in the faction with, uh, in my opinion, uh, Bastus girls being the best, uh, unit point for point for the neutrals. Um, I think, uh, you know, probably one of my favorite combos still is, uh, Stannis in with Bastus girls. That combo that he can pull off is just ridiculous, especially now with, uh, Sharice and Shireen, uh, I want to say Shira, it's Sharice and Shireen. Um, you know, if you can put, uh, um, whatchamacallit, uh, I forget the name of his card, but the one where he can expend a token. Yeah. So you put him in the Bastard Scrolls and then if you, you know, you're running three NCUs and you, you know, it gives you much more, you know, you don't have to run three, but running three lets you be able to take the crown much easier and play Will the One True King, throw three tokens on something. Then uh, you could even do it with uh, Sharice. Uh, Take that spot, throw the three tokens, put Sharice on that unit. Then, you know, shoot at something, do D3, take D3, you know, you don't degrade into your last rank. Um, expend a, a token to do D3 more, sick them, charge, uh, especially if they roll the one, you re-put the vulnerable uh, on them, and then charge, now you have vicious, you're doing another D3 plus another auto three. Like, just between Sharice and his auto wounds, you could pretty much nuke any unit in the game. Uh <laughs> so the combo there is just it's just nuts uh granted you're ju- you're gonna have to draw his card tactical approach and then in order to really get all those tokens on the same unit you're gonna need to also draw will of the one true king but you know if you're really hunting for him uh the chances of getting both the cards by turn three is not all that out there if you're ditching you know, the cards that you don't really need or using them quickly. So uh, I know that uh, I've been able to pull off the combo quite a bit when I when I do run the unit. Um, but Bastard Scrolls is, you know, it's definitely something that can be combined with a lot of other different things, especially now with the Red Priestess. Uh, you know, they have a five-up morale, so the chances are they're going to pass the first time. And then even if uh, you don't, you kill one dude in order to re-roll. And, you know, the chances of failing a 5-up morale twice is pretty slim. 
uh, and then being able to make, you know, your whoever you're shooting vulnerable and uh, panicked, you know, you shoot them, uh, just use that vulnerable to try to draw out a one to re-vulnerable them and then charge in with Sikkim. You know, they're vulnerable and panicked for that uh, attack with Vicious. Uh, you know, it could be a pretty bad day with uh, with that attachment as well. Um, and, you know, that's just for Baratheons. Uh, Starks, you know, you're looking at, you could throw a Kranigman Warden in there. Uh, re-rolling their dice um, is also a big thing uh, that could really make them powerhouses. And I think, like, the combinations can just pretty much be endless. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Um I definitely agree with the Red Priest, Priestess comment. I am in the middle of editing the the newest battle ro- report right now. I wanted to feature the new uh, the new Baratheon unit. So, uh, spoiler alert: we we decided to do a mirror match of Renly versus Stannis, and I had uh, a unit of Bastards Girls with the Red Priestess. I ended up drawing into tactical approach, and I put that on them. And then I also put Elise and Shireen on them before an attack. And I almost one-shotted a unit of Rose Knights. If it weren't for the fact that they had Baratheon Conviction on them, they would have been dead. Uh, <laughs> I, think that, <laughs> I think that once people start uh, using that unit more, the, uh, the forums and Discord might, uh, might be set ablaze just from... Uh, how unhappy people are on, on not being able to deal with that. It's, it's just straight nasty. Um, the bastards girls are by far my favorite unit in the game. Uh, I, I love putting brawn in them, uh, for that plus one movement and, uh, extra dice. And I think, um, Brett probably back me up that when you put Preston Greenfield in, in them, you you know, card draw for days. So just the fact that they can have, uh, you know, multiple actions during their turn, any attachment that provides some kind of benefit per action, I think, uh, is, is a strong, a strong consideration to run them. Definitely. And, uh, I know, uh, Justin, you, I mean, maybe this is going a little far, but I would, uh, I'd be willing to bet that uh, Bass Girls are probably your favorite unit in the game. I think you might have oh, even said that. So maybe that's far. not much. Maybe that's not much of a bet. So. <laughs> yeah, you're not risking nothing. That is easily the case. Sometimes <laughs> I definitely uh, love them so much that I screw myself over by bringing too many of them. But you know, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> well, and uh, you have only four of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've put them all to good use. I'll say that. I I love them. I think they're amazing. Although. I think my my gameplay is suffering because I lean on them too heavily, and people have gotten really used to like how they work in neutrals. Um, but whatever, they'll forget someday. It's fine. Um, but like you said, I mean they have they have combos with everything. Uh, I there's nothing I dislike about them um, except their speed. I'm I'm tired of berserkers somehow being faster than them. Bearded fat guys. It's just a th- like I just picture like these these berserkers with hand axes outrunning these dogs. Like what the heck? Like why are you sprinting past them? It makes no sense. Uh, I got a but, question for you, Justin. Uh, sure. How many how many bastards girls is too many in an army? 
Well, I would say four, but I've won <laughs> twice out of four times. With four. The, the answer is the answer is six because then you would have an illegal army. <laughs> that is the answer. Although I maybe I should go with five, and then like one uh, Roos and another NCU and one attachment. We'll see how that works out. Mm, Dave, I need a bastard's girl. All right. One thing well, I've always I have wanted to try myself, for. So. <laughs> One thing I've wanted to try for a battle report running in all Bastards Girls Army, but but taking out the archers and just putting all the dog models in there. Just just dogs, just yeah, just dogs. Of dogs. <laughs> Where how are they shooting? They bark at you. <laughs> some savage bark. <laughs> you should totally right, do that. Uh, you got to buy some more dogs, I assume, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to borrow Walder. You run Roos Walder, and then. Five units of Bastard Scrolls, which means there is one, two, you would need seven units of Bastard Scrolls in order to have enough dogs to not have to field any archers. And between now, me and Justin, we have seven. That is, <laughs> that's seven activations. It's not like, it's not terrible. It might work. Honestly, just your range power could probably kill a unit or two before you have to fight them. <laughs> it's only four <laughs> shots each, but. There's 20 total. If you're doing it next tournament, that'll at least be right. one of your two lists. I'll use it. I don't <laughs> even care. Let's do it. I'm going to be victorious. <laughs> You'll rue this day. So let's see. What else do we have out there for uh, combinations? Um, I guess like a watch recruiter wouldn't be horrible. Uh for some healing potential, especially because if you are close to being down to one rank, uh, you know, that healing could kind of put you back up, but I don't know if it'd really be that mu that worth it. So I don't know if Night's Watch uh, have any generic attachments. Uh, do you guys, can you think of any, uh, like, maybe unique attachments that might go well with them? Does half-hand NCU count? <laughs> uh, There's a half hand NCU Stormcrow Lieutenant. Put him on the money. You've got two more shots, two more attacks with Sundering, and an extra movement. Uh, I've actually tried. Um, I've tried Commander in Bastards Girls in Targaryens, and I, I thought that was a pretty fun army, just because uh, his cards sort of synergize off of vulnerable tokens, and uh, having a ranged unit in Targaryens is never a bad thing. Let's see. Uh, I agree with that. Sorry. Corn half hand wouldn't be bad uh, attachment. Um, well, they do die. About it. I well, I said it. I know you asked for attachments, but. Well, that's what I was just clarifying because I was, I was uh, when I started saying or when I first said half hand, I I was like, wait, did Justin just say that? But. You were talking about the NCU. So, yeah, his attachment, though, still would be pretty good. His uh, stubborn tenacity, when they pass a panic, uh, the opponent will take D3 wounds and then go down fighting. Let's say you take that free combat, you take the combat zone for that free attack and you sick them, get in there. And let's say you overextend, like, on chance that you're hoping to knock this unit out. And then you they have someone come into your side and potentially wipe you out. Um, between the stubborn tenacity and the go down fighting, you know, you could really punish someone 
for trying to take advantage of, you know, your six up save, you know, trying to one shot your six up save unit. Um, so I think uh corn half hand would definitely be a nice combo in there with Night's Watch, especially if you did that, let's say you didn't die and you deal three D three, two from go down fighting if you went down to one rank and then one from one D three from stubborn to nasty, and then you money bag heal Amon six wounds back to them, putting them back to their best value. Um I think uh, that's definitely a, a, a combo. Um, I know for a while, one of my favorite combos was putting Pip in with them, giving them the nimble, uh, because you could uh, shift three, shoot, shift three, and then sick them uh, to be an auto charge. Are you ever going to need to be like that close, though? <laughs> like, you only need know. one of Don't those bad guys really to be in. Right? You. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing that I've actually never found much value and that's kind of why I stopped using Braun and one of the reasons I stopped using Braun and really just started using Stormcrow Lieutenants is uh, often I don't need that extra movement I mean sure it can come in handy but uh, I think more often than not I'm almost always getting where I'm going anyways because I have a shift and a charge so really you're charging at plus two inches yep I'm the type of person that likes to see action early. So when I have Braun and Master's Girls and I, I'm running Peter Baelish, I usually take the bags and then use the maneuver and get into, try to get into range to be able to shoot round one. <laughs> it, 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 it's more times than not the best idea, but, you know, that's that's just me wanting to see blood. I'm with you on that. I definitely try to get them within. If I can get into like a sweet range of a squishy unit or a wolf or something, turn one, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll bait out the activation and shoot uh, once, maybe if I can, I like to shoot twice instead of maneuvering uh, for the sh- two shifts um, and then try to charge. If I don't get it, then I'll just charge next turn and it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Jose? Um how do you feel about the Bastard Girls? Um, you know, I don't have a whole lot of experience going up against them. Uh, most of it has been against, honestly, against Justin. Uh, <laughs> and Justin plays, you know, obviously a full neutral army. And then I've only played them against you as well. And you run, when you, when you run them in Spanish, and I think you guys kind of covered everything. So I don't really have a whole lot to add for that, unfortunately, just to be honest. No, you're good. I know I mentioned it before, but uh, anyone listening, uh, Jose likes to kind of keep his list more like faction-oriented. So um, uh, I know like the Bastard Girls uh, is probably – it's usually just me and Justin in our play group that I can think of that really runs them. And I, I've only run them kind of sporadically here and there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, re- I'm real big like on my team. So like if, if I play an army, if I play Starks or Baratheons or whatever, I never, I usually honestly never mix neutral. I don't even own any neutrals. I'm kind of like uh Varys and like Peter. And I bought those as like one-offs from Dave, actually. Like I just, I don't even, I didn't buy the hero box for him. I just, I have like the one-off. I have like a few neutral NCUs, but I don't really use 
any neutral uh, units at all. So I just want to play against them. But, um, yeah, but I think you guys, honestly, for this, I think, like I said, I think you guys kind of covered everything for, from my perspective at least. Yeah, gotcha. So then I guess uh, that kind of just brings us to the last uh, kind of stop on our um, – for the units anyways, uh, for is cutthroats. And I think cutthroats kind of have a place everywhere. Um, you know, they, they synergize well best, I think with Lannisters just because of that vicious that they inherently have. But, um, yeah, I think pretty much any, uh, any faction is going to be able to make use of a five point unit that hits pretty hard. So I know like uh, Starks, I don't run them very often, if at all. But uh, one place I definitely do like to run them in Starks is um, with Great John Umber Commander. So with Great John Umber, I've always I hate wasting the house affiliation. Uh, but a lot of times the house affiliation um, ends up working best with their house. Especially, I think this is true for Great John Umber. I think him in berserkers or great axes is kind of his key spot but i've uh in order to kind of save on points i've actually my most recent rendition of my great john umber list is with him in a cutthroat unit and that's because you know his ability to make the opponent vulnerable and panicked allows for that vicious to really kind of shine and uh you know, granted, if they attack someone that hasn't activated, they can become vulnerable. But uh, I just look at that as, like, options. So knowing that my commander can make them vulnerable means I don't have to activate right away with them. Kind of like you were talking about, Justin, how sometimes that can be a hindrance. Uh, but then also, I could, if I know that that's where I want to attack first, I can attack first before they've activated to make them vulnerable so that I don't have to use his ability necessarily to get D3, you know, because if you do that, you take D3 wounds. So um, I like kind of throwing him in there. And then the points that I save allows me to take uh, three Berserkers and a Great Axe for five, com like, strong combat units, uh, and then still two NCUs. So I think uh, that's definitely a great spot to throw them for uh, Starks. Um what about you, uh, Chris? Where uh, where do you kind of like to stick these guys? I, again, going back to Targaryens, I'm going to experiment with different lists. And, you know, if if people are interested in, in toying with an all-infantry unit uh, army, uh, I think there's some benefits in, in adding some cutthroats in there. When you, when you look at the unit in a vacuum, I mean, they're – Strong for five points, obviously. They're they're one of the strongest. I I actually prefer that Stark Sworn Swords is the best unit uh, at five points, but you know Cutthroats are right up there. But then when you when you consider the game modes that you're playing in, uh, a unit for five points that can sit on on an objective, uh, maybe in the back of the map, I think uh, they're they're pretty strong as well. Now I know Justin's probably shaking his head and he's like, <laughs> you know, hit hard and fast, but uh, it just depends on how you want to play them. Uh, I think, in my experience, when I when I'm playing against people that run cutthroats that maybe haven't had a lot of experience with them, I sometimes see that they look at the vulnerable token that they can hand out as uh, 
they they want to prioritize that, and then they put their cutthroats in a position where they get hit back again, and then they're wiped off the table. Uh, so you know, I I usually don't value the vulnerable token as much as the fact that they have vicious and they they hit on you know threes with eight on rank, but uh, again, you know, Lannisters, you guys mentioned that. Uh, Brett used one unit of cutthroats to great effect in that in that match that I had recorded against Chris. I mean, when you pair them with some of Tyrion's cards, they are just devastating. Uh, so, yeah, so what you had said about cutthroats with the uh, valuing the vulnerable token, I am totally on board with that. In fact, I more see that ability as, which I mentioned earlier briefly, when I was talking about um, how sometimes it can be a hindrance because you want to get it out. Uh, but I also see it on the other light as well, where my opponent tries to activate before I can hit them so they don't get the vulnerable token. And that works perfectly fine for me every time. I don't get like, all right, as long as you don't hit me, obviously, because if they swing at me, it's a bad day. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm more than happy to not get the vulnerable token out for them to waste their activation. I think that is like the best case scenario for that ability. Uh, and is wonderful when it happens. I can swing with eight dice and vicious without any threat of you attacking me back yet. Um, I'm, I'm more than content to trade off with that because the, Obviously, their only weakness is they're kind of squishy. They're like slightly better raiders. <laughs> Just two points more. <laughs> they hit way harder. So, um, yeah, I, I completely echo everything you said. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I see the if you're able to ignore like the temptation of that vulnerable token, I, I see it just kind of as, you know, uh, just icing on the cake. It's one of those that, you know, I don't think the, the cutthroats were ever meant to always be activating first and always getting that ability. But like you said, Justin, um, you know, you can kind of force your opponent's hand into attacking first with one unit, rather than going with something else just to avoid uh, becoming vulnerable, um, especially because, you know, taking the free uh, attack with the combat zone won't prevent that. So they actually have to activate with the unit rather than taking the free attack if they want to completely bypass the ability of giving the vulnerable token. So um, that's definitely... uh, it can be something very good or it can be kind of something bad. Uh, it just kind of depends on, um, you know, the mentality of it, I suppose. So, uh, but yeah, vicious, I think is like the key reason that you might want to take them to kind of synergize with other things. Um, especially any like panic, uh, mechanics or, you know, Lannisters, uh, um, Night's Watch uh, is pretty good, too, if you're looking for that, you know, cheap five-point unit that uh, can still kind of hit hard. And Night's Watch have um, the defensiveness either through, let's let's say, like, uh, excuse me, shield the guards around some men. Granted, it won't attach, but you could still block some hits. Um, Aim on with healing to kind of give them, you know, that staying power. Um but, uh, yeah, I think in Night's Watch, they they can have a place. 
especially if you're running uh, Yarwick, uh, giving Cutthroat's Critical Blow and or uh, Sundering uh, through his cards could be, you know, that could be huge if you're getting them from the charge. Uh, you know, I know, like, Mountainsmen is very similar to that, and, you know, Mountainsmen on the charge can, you know, they can do a lot of damage, so... Yarwick with a unit of cutthroats is basically like a, a mountainsman unit charging with some maybe some added effects. Um, let's see what else we got. Uh, I think they're pretty strong in Baratheons too. Um, yep. Just, just the fact that you can you can have attacks out of turn and let's say you have an enemy engaged with cutthroat and you want to bait them into taking the free attack and if you can guarantee that you're going to survive that attack. You play Ars as a Fury right before your turn. You know that's two vulnerable tokens right there on your attack, and uh, more times than not, they're not going to survive that. Yep, and I believe uh, let's see, one of my lists is actually uh, three wardens and three. Uh, is it three wardens and three cutthroats? Roos. Um, Three Wardens, three Cutthroats, that's uh, 30 points. And then Roos, Mel, and Axel. I think the five, six, seven, eight. So I have two points missing somewhere. I think, uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's two Sentinels, two Wardens, two Cutthroats. Uh, and then Axel, uh, Mel, and Roos. And uh, that list has worked pretty well for me. Um, you know, two two cutthroats gives me, you know, a couple Bolton units out there to trigger with uh, some of Roos's added effects. Gives me multiple panic tokens to help with uh, Axel and Mel uh, while giving me that bit of... Uh, the cutthroats gives me that a lot of that uh, offensiveness. The Wardens give me that defensiveness. And Sentinels are sort of right in the middle between the two. Um, so, yeah... Cutthroats and Baratheons can be pretty scary as well, especially for a five-point unit. I think in general, when if someone's going to take them, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like when I play against them, they're more threatening when there's two of them. If it's just one, you can get around them, I think, or take them out quickly. I think when there's two, they're seen as more of a threat. You guys find yourselves when you make your list. You find yourself making two of them, even like you know, when you're putting them in a non-neutral army. Uh, I think, uh, well, no, because I never use them. But I think that's a really good point. Because I was gonna mention that every time I fought them across the table, and I see one of them there, that is always what I aim for, and it always works out. I always demolish them. Uh, I don't know why it is. Maybe I'm just, I just got lucky against them. But I haven't had a single game, period, and I'm not even exaggerating, where they have remotely hindered me at all. Uh, they are both a strength and a huge weakness. because, And I think it really depends on the army that you're playing against when you have them. But they're, they're so susceptible to dying that if you only have one of them, that's a huge hole in your line. And if your enemy has the potential of getting into them really quick, and hitting hard that they're going to die and there's nothing you can do to really stop them. Yeah, like it's like they, they can't accomplish the goal of what you brought them in the army for if you don't need one of them. 
I'd say for me it's kind of hit or miss. So like I was mentioning, my uh, Great John Umber list only has one, but my uh, Roos and Baratheon list has two. Um, I think it comes down to if I'm running only one of them, it's usually like a points thing. Like uh, like I was saying with the Great John Umber list, I needed a five-point unit in there, and I just felt that the cutthroats synergized with Great John way better than the Sworn Swords did because with the Sworn Swords, unless I'm at last rank, they're already doing D3 to themselves with Stark Fury. And I didn't, you know, I felt it was counterproductive to have, you know, do 2D3 to myself or have to pick one or the other. So um, I just felt in that instance, Cutthroats were uh, five bar, uh, bar, were by far the best option. Um, so I think it's just, uh, for me, it's, you know, it just all depends on um, what kind of theme I'm running. If I'm running like an actual theme, for example, like with the Ruthless, then yeah, usually I'd, I'd run it in multiples. I would also encourage people that when when they're building a list and they have an extra five points to really think about whether or not adding a cutthroat a unit of cutthroats in there is going to benefit them. You know, Dave, you mentioned that you run two of them. I think you two in your Roos Baratheon list, and I think that's smart because you want to you want to be able to have those bolting units to trigger off of his cards. Um, you know, I've I've fallen into that before when I first started playing the game. Was like, okay, I have, I have these extra points. What kind of neutral unit can I put in there? And then uh, it turns out, you know, if if I'm playing an opponent like Justin who looks at the cutthroats and guns for them first, you know, since they're so they get taken out and then you're you're at a huge disadvantage at that point. So, um, you know, I think that neutral units have a place for um have a place in the army. It's just uh really consider how they're gonna synergize with your other units and the cards that you're playing with. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, splicing in neutrals, you know, and this goes for just any neutral unit that we've talked about today is always a nice, uh, you know, experiment, I'd, I guess I could call it. You know, if you're playing a casual game, you're just trying to, you know, come up with some new ideas, you know, if you're down, you know, build your list, and then when you're down to, like, your last, you know, eight, seven, six, five points left, and you're like, I can add one more unit or whatnot, you know, really, uh, you know, instead of trying to struggling with what, let's say, uh, faction, you know, that you're doing, whatever unit that's already in their faction, you know, go over to, like, the the neutral stuff and kind of, you know, browse through the options or even options with attachments. For example, let's say you have seven points left. Well, uh, that's a cutthroat with a two-point attachment or less. Uh, Or maybe, you know, you run that cutthroat with a one-point attachment, and you're like, okay, now I just need to figure out where one more point is going to go. Or even, you know, one of the Stormcrow, like the archers or the mercenaries, where you're going to get that um, uh, reduced points uh, on an attachment there. So I think just kind of experimenting with some of the neutral units is always a uh, a nice way to figure figure out, you know, different combos and potential. Um, I mean, that's how I came across, not that, like, I invented it, but the 
you know, putting Stannis and Bastard Girls, I just, you know, I was like, okay, what can I kind of do? You know, I've built my list, but I, I don't really care for Stannis in Sentinels or Wardens. Uh, you know, he can synergize fairly well in any of the starter box units, but I don't know. I just, I feel like he's somewhat lacking in all three of the units in some way or another. And then I'm like, you know what? Let's let's look at the neutrals. And that's all. That's when I was like, you know what? Uh, Bastard Scrolls with uh, you know the high morale means that uh, you know I don't have to worry about morale. It's only the armor save. But if I'm smart with them, the fact that they can't gain condition tokens and uh, I'll be giving them crit blow uh, with their melee attack combined with their vicious, you know this could really be something, you know, and that can be said for any faction with all the different neutral units. Um, just kind of like peruse through the different units and the different combos. You can kind of like stick with them, especially commanders, you know, commanders being free, you know, you're looking at, uh, you know, turning the unit into whatever it is, but just that much better. Um, you know, I don't know if you're, if like you're, local allows the Kickstarter units, but if you're a Stark player, you know, consider, uh, like, mounted uh, Blackfish in some uh, Flademen, you know, make them, uh, you know, that nine-point unit now have a a commander attachment that makes that nine-point unit just that much better. So, uh, it's just one of those things to kind of keep a lookout for. You definitely want to keep your options open. Because um, you never know what you might kind of find when you're, you know, experimenting with that. But, uh, but I believe that kind of wraps it up. I know we didn't really cover like commanders or um, NCUs or whatnot, but I feel like those you see a lot more experimenting with, uh, especially the NCUs definitely, because um, they're a lot easier to, I think, to experiment with because they have a lot less, uh, I wouldn't say impact, by definitely by no means impact, but they have a lot less, uh, you know, things that you have to do with them. You know, you know, they simply activate and they take a spot on the board and they do their thing, whereas the, the neutral units, you kind of have to experiment with different attachments and how they perform on the field. So, uh, you know, maybe we might do another uh, show where we talk about just specifically... Uh, um, commanders and NCUs, but, uh, but yeah, I believe that's about it for all of the neutral units, at least for now. Um, hopefully, uh, down the line, we see, uh, uh, some more neutral units, especially like another, uh, bloody mummer unit. I don't know if there's been talk or an attachment for bloody mummers. That'd be cool. They need a, yeah. they need an attachment box for the mummers. I don't know if, how many of your oh, listeners yeah. have read the book, book. But uh, they they need the whole team of uh, the bloody members in the game. Yeah, there's like I, like twelve named guys. There's like twelve named guys within the bloody members that like like have their own personalities and they're like super crazy. There's like a a jester, a creepy uh, like preacher. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's creepy, all kinds creepy of... is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're they're the colorful bunch that you expect, but worse. <laughs> in the best kind of way. 
Yeah, so hopefully they come out with something like that. That'd be cool, especially if all those guys got, like, their own hero box or something, um, or, like, two. If there's really, like, 12 of them, then that could definitely be enough for two hero boxes. Uh, I think that kind of wraps it up for the show. Um, thank you so much, uh, Chris, uh, for coming on and my hosts uh, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'll actually be in Chicago in a little over a month. So uh, it's actually the like around Elmhurst. So I don't know where you guys are exactly located, but if it ever works out, I definitely want to bring some camera gear and we'll shoot a couple battle reports. Yeah, definitely. If it's Elmhurst, I mean, I don't think that's very far away from Games Plus at all. Um, Games Plus is in Mount no, I think Prospect. it's like right there. Yeah. So it's, um, it's probably like yeah. 20, 25 ish minutes, maybe. That's worth the drive. Awesome. Heck yeah, I'd be down. Uh, how long are you staying? Uh, I mean, I, I'll i be there for a couple of days shooting for, for a client, but I'm, I'm sure I can stay a couple of extra days just to make this happen. Okay, awesome. Yeah, and I, I work third shift, so I mean, I'm, you know, if I know in advance, I'm pretty much free any day. So, uh, yeah, just uh, let me know, and we'll definitely make something work. Um but uh, is there, uh, as we close out, is there any, like, shout-outs you want to give, whether or not they're, uh, like, personal or um, uh, something that you wanted to just shout-out in general? I just want to shout-out to all the people who supported the channel, uh, all the subscribers that have um, made it known that they enjoy the content. Also, um, just shout-out to my local game store, Gamers Haven, uh, I know you guys mentioned at the end of a lot of your shows to support your local game store. And I just want to reiterate that it's very important that, um, we, we support, uh, the store owners and, and do what we can just to make sure that they stay in business while all this stuff is going on. Yep. Definitely. I second that. Uh, definitely. If you guys out there listening, if you don't have a local, definitely, uh, consider, uh, um, which store did you say it was? Gamers Haven? Yeah, yep. Yeah, definitely consider uh, checking out their shop and maybe buying a couple things. Uh, you know, with everything going on, you never know uh, how some shops might be doing, if they're struggling or not. Um, you know, some might be doing better than others. Uh, so this is definitely, you know, showing your support by buying uh, from a local is definitely one of the best ways possible to do it. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, a song of ice and fire guild.com, uh, where you can find a bunch of different content creators. Definitely go check it out. Uh, share out the page, follow it, like it, um, just do all that stuff. Uh, that's like the best way you can, uh, support us. Um, you know, just uh, word of mouth and getting the word out there that, uh, our content, uh, exists is, you know, it's definitely the best way you can uh, support us. So definitely go check out uh, Song of Ice Fire Guild dot com, uh, where you can find uh, Sunday Slaughter, uh, uh, West Coast Bannerman, Song of Ice Fire Stats, Blitz Minis. Um, who else am I missing? Uh, Mythos Coast. It's, there's like eight content creators now and we have like everything under the sun uh, between uh, battle reports, articles, uh, podcasts, and we even got some uh, 
private retailer stores on there that you can go help uh, support uh, tons of stuff. And uh, not only can you find all of our content there, you can also find a bunch of exclusive drops that we do every month that you can only find on a Song of Ice and Fire uh, Guild. Um, other than that, uh, definitely uh, check out our Facebook page where you can like and follow our content. Um, I believe we have a contest going on uh, that we're going to be drawing in the next uh, probably day or two. Uh, three random winners are going to be winning a uh, custom uh, house sleeves of their choice from uh, that Blitz Minis uh, sells. Um, yeah, uh, three random winners will win uh, the house sleeves that they want uh, between even Greyjoys. So any house, um, unfortunately, there are no neutral uh, sleeves, but uh, if you're interested in Starks, Lannisters, Night's Watch, Free Folk, Targaryens, Baratheons, or Greyjoys. Um, so all you have to do for that one is uh, like and follow our page and then comment on the comment, which can be found on the main page or our personal Facebook page. Um, with that, I believe, I think uh, Brett had to take off. Thank you, Brett, if you're listening, for coming on. And then, uh, again, thank you, Chris, uh, for coming on and being our guest tonight. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. And uh, with that said, uh, that'll conclude tonight's uh, show. And this is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed.